0: Hey friends, welcome back to the Pulpit to Pew podcast and this week's adult Bible study as we continue our study through the book of Romans. This week, we're gonna cover chapter two and a little bit of chapter three. And we're still overall throughout the whole book of Romans, we're still dealing with the subject of sin. And this week, we emphasize the Jews. A couple weeks ago, we emphasized the sin of the Gentiles, but now we emphasize the sin of the Jews, the hypocrite, Um, And some of the false thinking that the jews had and so we're going to get into that this week Thank you for being a part of the podcast. Happy easter If you're listening to it the day of we had a wonderful service this morning great time with family So without further ado, let's jump into this week's adult bible study Let's take our bibles go back to romans and let's go to chapter 2 this time Romans chapter 2 we finished up last or two weeks ago. We had to miss last week because the power was out And uh, in a series like this, I always hate to have to miss, but we did. And so now we we kind of been out of it for a week. So let's kind of quickly, because I don't have time to go too much, but let's just quickly review. In week one was Paul's introduction. He's saying who he is, his desire to come to Rome, and then he gave really the theme of the book. He says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. Jew first and also to the Gentile. And then he says, he talks about the next verse when he talks about that the, I better look at this one. He says, for therein is the righteousness God revealed from faith, that's saving faith, to faith, that's living out the Christian life by faith. And so those are the theme verses and he's talking about the gospel and this whole book of Romans is a the- theological book helping us understand what we believe and the basics of our faith. And I've said the first three chapters, the rest of chapter one, which we got into the next week, he's dealing with the sins of the Gentiles. Remember, it got pretty ugly. He was, and, and we got to see the picture of what happens when we continue in sin and God says, you know what? Have it your way, sinners. Have it your way. And we showed in that study, if you missed it, you can go back and listen on the podcast. We showed in that study how when man left to themselves they just turned to their flesh in a strong way sexually we talked about it says man was going with man women with women all of this stuff he was talking about murders and a lot every even started listing out sins and then i said this was going to happen it's like the as he's writing this letter it's like those jews are reading it and they're going yeah he nailed these pagans he nailed these gentiles that's right that's what they do they are sinners and, and it's like, it's not, that, it's not that Paul, when he wrote this, put chapter 2 to this. It, it's not what he did. But as they're reading this letter, now he comes to chapter 2. After he's just nailed the sins of the Gentiles, he now comes to chapter 2. And in chapter 2, verse 1, he says, Therefore, that ties it to the previous chapter. He says, Therefore thou art inexcusable, O man, whosoever thou art that judges. Uh-oh. For wherein thou judgest another, thou condemnest thyself, for thou that judgest doeth the same things. But we are sure that the judgment of God is according to truth against them which commit such things. And thinkest thou this, O man, that judgest them which do such things and doest the same, that thou shalt escape the judgment of God. Now I'm going to continue reading, but do you see what he's saying so far? You can kind of see a pivot here. He's talking now to the hypocrite. To the Jewish audience, but to the hypocrite. That would look at the lesson that we gave two weeks ago and look at all of those and say, you know what? They are a bunch of sinners. That is wicked. And you know what? Some of, in our society today, we can sit in our churches and look at the, the, the things that are promoted in our society and say how wicked that is. And we're right in that. But he's saying right here, be careful of becoming a hypocrite. And some of the things that we judge people on, we're guilty of in our own hearts. And, and that's the... Ju- Everybody wants to say in our society, judge not... They, they have no clue what that phrase actually means in Matthew 7. Because it means this right here. You better be careful if you do judge, which Corinthians tells us to do, because you're going to be judged with the same judgment that you judge. And if you're doing the same things that you're condemning you're going to look like a fool. And you're going to be condemned in and of yourself. And so he's saying to them, to the Jews, hey, you guys, you may think that those Gentiles are wrong and wicked and that may be they're pagan, but you guys have been hypocritical because you're doing the things that they're doing, but you think that you're better. And I'm going to come back to that in just a second. So let's let's read on a little bit farther because in verse 4 he says, or despises thou the riches of his goodness, talking about God, and forbearance and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. So you're despising God's goodness to you. God has been good to you, but you're acting in a hypocritical way, condemning the Gentiles, but doing the same thing. And you think just because, and I'm, I tell you what, I think I have an audience full of this, and I know myself, I'm thankful that God is long-suffering. Because if not, I'd be gone. And some of you would be too. Because there, there's some times when I may stand behind this lectern, if that's the right word, and I may say some things to you, and then in my own heart I'm going, ooh, that hurt me. There's something I need to change there. And so if God looked down and said, you know what, Brad, I heard what you said. You're dead. You're a hypocrite. You'd be right. You'd be justified. And that's why that whole argument, well, the church is full of hypocrites, I always say, hey, you're right. You're right. I've seen several of them, and I've been that guy. But one that's never a hypocrite is Jesus Christ. He's always true. He's always good. He's always long-suffering. He's always forbearing. And so he says, we are despi- We know the truth. He's talking to a Jewish religious group. He's going to talk more about the religious side in a second. But he said, you Jews, and he's going to prove this point, but you should know. You know better, and you're doing it against God. So you're, you're despising the goodness of God and still continuing in your sin. The pagans don't even know about God. So you want to criticize the pagans when you guys know the truth and you're still living in sin. So he's, he's ramping it up a little bit to all these Jews that were amening the first chapter. So he goes on. Verse 5. But after thy hardness and impenitent heart treasures up unto thyself wrath against the day of wrath and revelation of the righteousness, judge, righteous judgment of God, Who will render to every man according to his deeds? I can just imagine those Jews sweating right now. If I could read this properly, because I'm just trying to get ahead to my points, we could sense that those Jews who in the first chapter are going, that's right, those wicked sinners are now going, whoa, God is saying some strong stuff here. Talking about the wrath of God and judgment of God against us. Rendering every man according to his deeds to them who by patient continuance and well-doing seek for glory and honor, and immortality, and eternal life. But unto them that are contentious, and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation, and wrath, tribulation, and anguish upon every soul of man that doeth evil, of the Jew first, and also of the Gentile. All of a sudden, these Jews are going, "Uh uh-oh. Now, let me remind you, because it's been a couple weeks, we are in the section of Romans that deals with sin. He is, he is doubling down in chapters, the end of chapter 1, all of chapter 2, and at the end of, the beginning of chapter 3, which I'm going to get to today, all he's trying to do is establish the sin. And just like John was talking about this man at, the, at Walmart, when you're, tr- when you're leading someone to the Lord, you establish first that they're a sinner. That should be pretty quick. But some people are pretty self-righteous and really think that they're just Okay. But Paul is spending a lot of time establishing that you're a sinner. Gentiles, you're a sinner. Jews went, that's right. Hey Jew, you're a sinner and you should know better. Oh. And that's where he's going to hammer them home. He's first in these first, I want to say first about 16 verses here that I'm going to read. He's just showing their hypocrisy. He's saying you guys are condemning others in your heart. or Condemning others even verbally. But you're doing it yourself. So you, you realize the it doesn't, this phrase doesn't mean, and the people always say, don't, doesn't mean don't judge. It just says you better make sure your life is what it should be if you're going to judge some of those things. Spiritual man judges all things, but you better make sure you are that spiritual man because there's going to come some times when you're going to be found out. And so he's just revealing to these Jews early on that they had the goodness of, long suffering of God throughout their whole history I've been studying the history of the Jews God has loved these people but many have still rejected him so let's let's continue reading where did I stop off at Uh, let's go verse 11 for there is no respect of persons with God I'm thankful for that for as many as have sinned without the law now let let me stop there who would he be referring to those that sin without the law who didn't have the law the Gentiles The law was given to Moses, right? Moses passed it down to the Jews. If you studied Exodus and Hebrew history a little bit there, Moses was given law, gave it to the Jews. They went into the promised land with the law. It wasn't given to the Gentiles. It was given to the Jews. That's a key foreshadowing for what I'm going to get to in a little bit. But the law was given to the Jews. They knew God's standard. You live by that law 100%, you're going to be good. No one can. But you had the law. And so he says back to my verse here in verse number 12 for as many as have sinned without the law shall also perish without the law and as many as have sinned in the law who would that be those are the jews shall be judged by the law so you're going to be judged by the law that you have that you know for not the hearers of the law are just before god this is a big big phrase the hearers of the law are not just before god But the doers of the law shall be justified. So just because you know the law doesn't make you justified. If I were to fast forward application 2,000 years and say, hey, just because you're at church on Easter Sunday doesn't mean you're going to heaven. Just because you open your Bible and you come to Sunday school in an extra hour doesn't mean you're going to heaven. Just because you're singing in a choir doesn't mean you're going to heaven. Your works don't get you to heaven. Now, you can be chipped up with the next phrase, because he said in the last part of that, but the doers of the law shall be justified. And you say, whoa, it's not anything we do to get us to heaven. All right, here, if you do the law perfectly from the time you're born to the time you die, you're going to go to heaven. Has anybody met anybody that's done the law perfectly from the time that they're born to the time they go to heaven? No. Plus, one argument could be made that you're born into sin, according to Psalms, and David said, so you're conceived in sin. So, but you're not going to keep the law 100%. But he's saying, you Jews, you had the law. Whether the pagans, yes, they'll die. They'll be condemned because they've not lived according to it. But they didn't have the law. You guys have the law. But then in verse 14, for when the Gentiles, which have not the law, watch this, do by nature the things contained in the law. What does that mean? So let's say a Gentile lives his whole life and never murders somebody. Well, the law said thou shalt not kill, Right? The Gentiles didn't have the law. But they're just going around not murdering people because they're decent human beings. It's not many in our society that left like that. It seems like everybody's murdering everybody nowadays. It's like a video game, it seems like. But the, So the Gentile, he don't know the law. He just not murdering anybody because by nature he thinks, I probably shouldn't shoot somebody. So he says that when they do by nature the things contained in the law, these having not the law... Are a law unto themselves. So they've established their own law. They just decided, I don't think I should kill. Killing equals bad. Stealing equals bad. But they didn't have the Ten Commandments written out for them. But it became a law unto themselves. He says, which show the work of the law written in their hearts. Remember two weeks ago when I talked about these Gentiles and I said, God says to them, by general revelation, they are without excuse because there's a conscience built into them. God said, let us make man what? After our image. Now, because of sin, I said it's like a broken glass. You can see the image of God there, though his conscience is built within us. There's an understanding that there's a God. I said two weeks ago, or three weeks ago, there's no such thing as an atheist. They call themselves atheists. Everyone has built within them an understanding that there's something higher than them. Everyone does. Romans chapter number one. We are without excuse by nature how we were created by God. But, remember that word it says, they hold the truth, that means they suppress it. A lot of us suppress it to the point where they believe the lie that there is no God. And they believe that, they genuinely believe that. But they're denying what's built in them. And that's even these verses are playing that out now. He says, when they do by nature the things that just send to tell them, hey, I shouldn't kill people. I shouldn't steal. I shouldn't commit adultery. They're doing these things because of a law that's built in them that they don't even know, because they haven't read, Thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not kill. That's what he's getting at. But then he's gonna tr- he's gonna go in verse 16. Uh, let's go to verse 15 which show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience, also bearing witness, their thoughts, the mean while accusing or else excusing one another. In the day when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to the gospel. So in the first 16 verses or so, he's establishing that you Jews are also guilty, just like he said about the Gentiles, but he's dealing with the hypocritical nature of them where they're sitting back and condemning the pagans who didn't have the law, but justifying themselves, although they should know better, and they're still doing wrong. And I'm looking at a room full of people, and you're looking at a guy that we know the Bible. We may, some may know it better than others, but we know the truth. We live in America, and, and even though America is falling apart at the seams, we have written in us, we know What God's Word says. We know the basics of how we should act. But how many of us, if we're honest, we could probably stand up and take some negative testimony time and say, hey, this week, here's what I did. So we know it. There's a little bit of hypocrisy in all of us. But it doesn't mean we give up and say, well, I'm just a terrible... No, we come to God and say, God, forgive me. I'm a sinner. But in this situation, he's not talking to Christians. I just made an application to Christians... Because I think I'm looking at a room full of Christians. He's not talking to Christians here. He's talking to the Jewish hypocrite who doesn't yet believe Christ. He doesn't. He's not by faith. Because he's in the context of sin. But now he's talked to, let's pivot a little bit to some religious Jews. Look at verse 17. He says, Behold, thou art called a Jew, and restest in the law, and makest thy boast of God, and knowest his will, and approvest the things that are more excellent, being instructed out of the law. And so he's going to he's gonna kind of deal with the false assurance that these Jews have. A lot of these Jews sit back and say, hey, I'm going to go to heaven because I'm a Jew. I'm God's chosen people. So I'm going to go to heaven. I'm fine. I'm taken care of. And he's going to deal with that. So I'm going to read some verses here and comment as I go like I have been because um, I want to get a few other areas. So let's just read it down through here. He says in verse 19, "...and art confident that thou thyself art a guide of the blind, a light of them which are in darkness, an instructor of foolish, a teacher of babes, which has the form of knowledge and the truth in the law. Thou therefore which teachest another, teachest thou not thyself. Thou that preachest a man should not steal, dost thou steal?" Thou that sayest a man should not commit adultery, dost thou commit adultery? Thou that abhorrest idols, dost thou commit sacrilege? Thou that makest thy boast of the law through breaking the law, dishonorest thou God. For the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles through you, as it is written, I imagine there's a pin dropping in that room of Jews listening to this after last week going, oh yeah, those... W-. wouldn't have been last week for them as they're reading through it, but going, yeah, those wicked Gentiles. Now he just said to them, God's name is blasphemed because of you Jews to those Gentiles. They're probably... Like, wow. Didn't see that twist coming. Because here they are thinking that they are something. They had confidence in their heritage. They were a Jew. That means from judah means the word praise Uh, from the time of captivity there's this race of israelites have been i mean really we could even go back to abraham and we could go back and all of that but they had so much confidence in their heritage they thought that they were fine they had confidence in the fact that they had the law in verse 18 it says thou knowest his will and approvest the things that are more excellent being instructed out of the law they had the law From the time Moses came down on that mountain and they were worshiping false gods. Remember, they made this golden image. They've had that law throughout their whole history. Just like, I mean, if I wanted to use it in a a micro sense in my life, I could think about, for 41 years, I have had this book right here. Some of you could not say that. And that's, I understand. 41 years, I'm without excuse. I mean, my dad was probably, had this thing open, reading it to me in his old Ryrie study Bible for the time that, I was born. I've. This has been my life. Now, just because it's been my life, I can't say confidently, hey, I'm going to heaven because, I mean, I've been praisefully had a Bible in my hand since I was born. Oh, great job, Brett. Good job. You're going to burn in hell. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't make you special. Being a Jew doesn't make you special. You're God's chosen people, but it's by faith. Now, I'm building all this because next week I'm going to get to the To the climax of this part he's going to tell them for chapters you're sinners you're sinners he's just going to tear them down i told brian and them today because they're not going to get as far as i am i said i just can't really look at my class three weeks in a row and say you bunch of sinners you bunch of sinners you bunch of sinners i just want to get to the good part all right but for one more week if you're a jew in here i'm really talking to you you're a bunch of sinners all right but we all are and he's writing to non unsaved people so i'm kind i know i'm talking to saved people but if we don't understand the depths of our sin, we'll never appreciate what we're going to be celebrating today. You're never going to appreciate when I get to Romans chapter 3, verse 21 next week. Unfortunately, it's coming off a time when we had a week off. But when we get to Romans chapter 3, verse 21 and 22, 23, and 24 next week, every one of us ought to sit back and say, Wow, it's amazing. Because I don't deserve that. Because I was in chapter 1, and I was, I'm guilty. I'm a hypocrite in chapter two. was I, I there some time for me too. I was a religious th- trusting in this, trusting in that. But I'm thankful, Romans 3:21, that I'm justified by faith. Because not my works. Nothing I can do. And so he's kind of he's talking to them about this. They had their confidence in the law, they had their confidence in their heritage. And then I don't remember how far I read, but I did read past this. They're teaching the law but they failed to practice what they taught that was part of what i mentioned in the hypocrisy in the beginning to commit sacrilege i read them to rob temples and so they were they possessed all the externals of being a jew and they kept the law but they had no inward reality of faith let's just read on a little bit more it says verse 25 for circumcision verily profiteth I need to make this comment because it's going to come up throughout the time. Whenever he says the word circumcision, it is the circumcision that you're thinking about. Okay, So when you say circumcision, it is circumcision that I'm trying to avoid to say right now. I think we all know it. If you don't know it, Google it. Okay, It is that circumcision. But that was the sign of a Jew. So when he's saying that, symbolically he's saying you're of the circumcision. You're a Jew. But that symbolic thing was actually the physical act of what took place on the body. So that is, this is what the Jews did back then, back in that time period, that showed that they were different from the rest. So he says, for circumcision verily profit little. So your heritage just profit you some. You've got the law. For They didn't get the law. You got the law. You got a history with God, Jehovah. They don't have a history with God, Jehovah. So you did profit you some if you keep the law. But if thou be a breaker of the law, thy circumcision is made uncircumcision. You you might as well be a Gentile then. If you've got all these goods, but you're you're not living it out, you might as well just be as bad as a Gentile. That's what he's saying to them. And so he says, verse 26, Therefore, if the uncircumcision keep the righteousness of the law, if the Gentile, that's the uncircumcised, keep the righteousness of law shall not his uncircumcision be counted for circumcision okay a lot of circumcision going on here all right so let's just so if a gentile let's uncircumcised abides by the law that counts as if he is circumcised he's not talking about the physical act he's talking he's just as good as you as a Jew so what he's hinting towards is this let me put it in very simple form if a gentile believes in god gets saved they have all the privileges of a jew that believes god and gets saved we've read if you're reading through the bible this year some of you are in the plan i'm doing and follow we know a couple rahab ruth we're reading through ruth right now these two are gentiles pagans chapter one sinners but by faith they put their faith in jehovah and now they have all of the advantages of a jew And so that's going to come up in a second because he's going to to answer some objections, but that's what he's talking about there. He says, And shall not the uncircumcision which by nature, verse 27, if it fulfill the law, judge thee, who by the letter of the circumcision does transgress the law. Boy, they didn't like that phrase. Guaranteed. So a Gentile can judge you if you're not living according to the law. He's thinking, oh, they're not going to like that. Verse 28, For he is not a Jew, which is one outwardly, Neither is that circumcision which is outward in the flesh, but he is a Jew, which is one inwardly, and circumcision that is of the heart, in the spirit, and not in the letter, whose praise is not of men but of God. Boy, he's gonna make some enemies with this phrase. But he's saying, Hey, that Gentile is has everything that you as a Jew have. The specialness with God, the love of God and everything and he's and again he's just saying that your outward behavior if it doesn't match an inward relationship with god there's a problem and even a gentile who may have the history the heritage of a wickedness but if by faith he is circumcised he's placed his faith in christ he has he's as if he is circumcised it's a phrase he's using there so our outward manner. The question we got to ask ourselves is: Is our outward manner of living encouraging to others, to God? Is it glorifying God or is it blaspheming God? He's writing to unsaved people. I'm talking to Christians, but our external does matter. A lot of people want to write that off and say it's all about the internal. And I start with the heart. I believe you got to start with the heart. I think you parenting you need to try to start with the heart. We got to start with the heart but the externals do matter people do say externals don't matter it does but why because the externals are what glorify God people see that people expect that so you know you can't go around and, and just living however you want in sin and say it doesn't matter I can sin do whatever I want because internally I have a relationship with God okay but you gotta it's, internally whatever there is gonna come out it's gotta be seen and you don't wanna blaspheme the name of God you can go to many passages to do all that but that's chapter 2. I want to take a couple minutes here and get into chapter 3, though. Because there's some there's some really good verses here. And, and But what's going to happen is Paul wrote those last few words and he knew those Jews were going to get mad. And so he's going to answer ahead of time some of their objections. He knows what objections are coming. So here's what he answers. Look at verse, uh, verse 1. So the first objection is going to be basically, well, then what advantage is it of being a Jew? What advantage do we have? So he says... chapter 3 verse 1 what advantage then hath the jew or what profit is there of circumcision what good is it for us to be a jew and his answer much every way chiefly because that unto them were committed the oracles of god the number one advantage that you jews had is that you were given the truth you were given the law you had the very teachings of god the prophets came to you they taught you you had the law given to you by Moses carried down. You carried the very presence of God everywhere you went in, in that tabernacle. You had all of this advantage. Hey, I have, I have no, no doubt about it in my life in 41 years, given the heritage God has decided to give me with my grandparents and my parents, everything as far as religion. I'm talking religiously now uh, in church. I had a lot of advantages. I'm so thankful for that. It, I, I'm thankful that they taught me the Bible from the time that I was born. I wish they would have done that for my sister. You know, she may have been different. You know, and I'm just kidding. She's like, but it 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 was an advantage. And some of you say, "Hey, I grew up. I didn't even hear about Jesus until I was in my teens, or till I was." Okay. Hey, I understand. I'm thankful for that. But it doesn't mean that if you get saved as a teenager at 50 years old, that I'm any better than you. I'm not. You know what it means is that those times when I still rebel and stuff, and I should know because I've been 41 years living in this book, that I should be held to a much higher standard. I am feels, I, I should feel miserable. But I'm so glad that God is long-suffering. And I'm so glad that God still saves people at 50 years old. I'm so glad God saves people in the jungles of wherever that don't have the same privilege that I had. I'm so thankful for that. God is good. So that's the first one. He says, listen, you guys ought to be thankful for the for what you had you were given something that others weren't but then in verse three says for what and here's the second objection and i'll just kind of paraphrase what their objection is going to be then read it their second objection is what if some jews don't believe these promises that are made to israel will their unbelief make god destroy his faithfulness it's a weird one but let's get into it real quick verse three for what if some did not believe shall their unbelief make the faith of God without effect. So if there's a Jew, like let's say for me, let's, say, let's use, use my illustration. If I went 41 years and I'm not really saved, I never got saved. Does that make God not faithful or does it make um, all of this of none effect? These Jews that had everything to them, they had the law, they had the teachings, they had the prophets. If they don't get saved, does that mean that God and his promises are really of no effect? They don't do anything. And his answer is God forbid. Yea, let God be true. But every man a liar, as it is written, thou that thou mightest be justified in thy sayings and mightest overcome, when thou art judged. He's gonna. he answers. God forbid. He says God is always faithful to his word. Any unfaithfulness is on our part. Any unfaithful Jew, it's it's on their part. It's their their choice to be unfaithful. It's not a, it's not God's so that is what he's going to refer to here and, and then there's another one that's a little bit questionable I don't think I'm going to end on this one I'm not going to get into the last we're going to talk a little bit more about sin next week and then just jump on salvation and be like alright here's how we're all sinners let's all have a pity party but now let's celebrate this but, so let's start with this one right here objection number three objection number three is this if our unfaithfulness only enhances the great faithfulness of God are we wrong Is God wrong for judging our unfaithfulness? Let's look at it real quick. But if our unrighteousness commend the righteousness of God. So by doing wrong ourselves, it only makes God look better. What shall we say? Is God unrighteous who taketh vengeance? I speak as a man. God forbid. For then how shall God judge the world? For if the truth of God hath more abounded through my lie unto his glory. So me lying just brings God more glory. Isn't that okay then? why yet am i also judged as a sinner and not rather as we be slanderously reported as some affirm we say let us do evil that good may come whose damnation is just so they're basically saying hey you know what when i sin i'm doing god a favor i'm doing him a favor by sinning because it makes god look good by forgiving me so i'm just going to keep sinning that just sounds like a weird way to think like, hey, I'm just going to go get hammered tonight because then I'll confess it. God will forgive me. Everybody will see it. They'll see how I'm gonna change in my life. No, that's not how it works. He says, God forbid. He says, what basis does God have for judging if all of this is happening, if it, if it goes on that way? It's not. It's a way a sinner would think, but that's not how God works. I'm going to stop there. And next week, I'm going to start in verse 9. We're going to get to some familiar verses. The start of the Romans Road. as it is written, verse 10, there's none righteous, no, not one. And then we're going to get to Romans 3.23. For all those sinned and come short of the glory of God. We're going to get to those. And then we're going to say, here's the redemptive power of God. That's what we'll get back to next week. All right? So a little bit more of calling you sinners next week. You can call me a sinner if you want to next week. And then we'll get into the good stuff. All right? Let's pray.